and welcome to the Leader's Edge podcast. I'm Associate Managing Editor, Brianne Spillane. In this episode of our podcast series with US-based insurer Nationwide, we meet the company's Vice President of Cyber Insurance, Catherine Rudeau, and its Senior Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer, Todd Lucan. With over 25 years of experience in the insurance and reinsurance sectors, Rudeau is responsible for developing and expanding the cyber product expertise across Nationwide. Lucans, as CISO, oversees the company's critical responsibility of cybersecurity, compliance and regulatory, availability management, continuity management, and crisis management. Together, we explore the dynamics of ransomware, cyber entry points that businesses of all sizes should be aware of, the evolution of the threat actor, and how the public and private sectors can come together to improve the nation's cybersecurity. Rudo and Lukens warn that as we evolve as enterprises and as a society, threat actors will also evolve. They say business processes beyond just systems and data are at risk, and exposure is not going away anytime soon. In this conversation, we identify ways organizations can improve their cyber hygiene and better adapt to and manage the current cyber threat environment. Give it a listen. Let's start with ransomware, one of the most common and damaging ways cyber criminals exploit businesses. While many organizations understand the importance of preparing for ransomware attacks, few truly understand the mechanics of them and the extent of damage they can cause. Can you just walk us through the anatomy of ransomware, what they are, how they're deployed, what's at risk, what's the average cost of a loss? Todd, help us out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, ransomware is the result of a successful attack. It's kind of the end of the attack. And when you think about disrupting a, an attack, you have to look at all the different methodologies and tactics, techniques, and procedures that a threat actor will use. So when we think about defending against ransomware, against that ran, ransomware is the outcome of a successful attack, we really think about what are the different uh, defense in depth, the layers of defense that you have to disrupt, to disrupt the common tactics, techniques, and procedures from these threat actors. And, and so it's not simply just preventing against ransomware, it's really looking at and preventing against the attack itself and being able to disrupt it before, and disrupt means prevent or detect or respond before it actually manifests itself into the ransomware. Great. So ransomware attacks are constantly evolving and it seems even more so in this COVID remote work landscape, but these attacks and operations are not always as sophisticated as people might think. Can you sort of paint us a picture of the reality of the low skill, low risk, yet high reward environment for these cyber criminals? Yeah, most um, like any economics, uh, ransomware operators or organized threat actors, they're looking, it's, it's a simple uh, economy equation. They're looking for the highest reward for the lowest level of effort. So what you'll see in a lot of the successful ransomware attacks are there breakdowns in what we call some of the basic cyber hygiene that happens at the victim. So a lot of these attacks are, are not uh, what you'd really consider to be overly high skilled. Um, they are really taking advantage of either breakdowns in controls or lack of existing controls 
and then being able to monetize those through the ransom activity. Uh, we continue to see this be, again, a high reward, low risk activities like phishing. Uh, it's a very easy activity for threat actors to do, and it really only takes one or two successful uh, phishing attempts for them to get the desired outcome, whether that is you know, uh, getting the loss of or theft of credentials or getting the, the victim to download malicious software that allows them to get access into their environment. According to Nationwide's recent cybersecurity survey from 2020, only about a third of small businesses, and we're talking about a thousand employees or less, believe they're actually at risk of a cyber attack. They assume they either aren't attractive to cyber criminals, that their operations perhaps aren't big enough, or the data they store isn't lucrative enough. And again, that kind of floored me, especially in this day and age when cyber is in the news on a daily basis and nearly half of all cyber attacks target small businesses. So Catherine, if you could jump in on this one, what's your reaction to those statistics? It's not a surprising statistic. What makes the headlines is are usually the large data breaches, not the ransomware attacks. Uh, prior to Colonial Pipeline, most small and middle market customers, they were only vaguely aware of the ransomware threat. And even with all that media coverage, it's really easy for a small firm to think that they are under the radar. The cyber insurance market, you know, has been working hard to educate business owners and brokers about the cyber risk because we know that no entity, segment, or industry sector is safe from cyber attacks. And that's because the threat actors don't actually need to know about you to find you. Uh, many use automated bots to scour the internet and find potential victims that might have an open RDP port, just an example, or an unpatched vulnerability that they can exploit. So, uh, and in other cases, as Todd mentioned earlier, criminals can easily use emails for phishing attacks and they can send thousands of them and only really need to be successful at getting a small number of people to click uh, a link to create a successful attack. So even if you are a small organization, uh, there still should be a level of diligence because small organizations probably have fewer resources to defend against or recover from a cyber attack. That they don't think that they are exposed, I think is really uh, to, their, to their detriment. Yeah, and if, if I could add to that, the other thing that we're seeing is that the threat actors are specifically targeting small to medium-sized businesses and not necessarily for that small to medium-sized business to be the, the victim, but using that small to medium-sized business as being the jumping point to get into larger companies that they may be a third-party service provider for. So we are actually seeing the, the, the small to medium-sized businesses being that entry point or that desired entry point, whether that is through um, getting in for a third party or things like business email compromise. We see that as well. And a lot of that is coming from small to medium-sized businesses where then the threat actor are targeting, targeting larger organizations. As you both just alluded to, the top three ransomware attack vectors, email phishing, remote desktop compromise, and software vulnerability. Um, one survey reported 70% of all ransomware attacks start by way of a phishing email. And all three of those things uh, seem sort of frustratingly common, right? 
So in, in, your, in your mind, in your perspective, are employers doing enough to train their employees who oftentimes are the first line of defense? I think in a lot of cases, they're not. Um, in a lot of organizations, the perception from a lot of, of the employees, specifically employees that are not in the technology organization, will see cybersecurity as the responsibility of somebody in technology, whether that is the dedicated security team or just technology in, in general. And that's where that the shift has changed. And that's what the threat actors have realized is that the oftentimes the weakest link in an, in an organization cyber program are their associates. And that's what they're going after. And so I do believe that they're continue, we continue to need to educate everybody that cybersecurity is not an organization's responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility. And diligence and good cyber practices really needs to be driven throughout the entire organization. And, and to your point too, the, the three most common ways of the ransomware, the three most common ways that you mentioned were the entry point for the attack, which then once they get in, they are able to, able to use these other techniques, which eventually result in ransomware. Uh, those are three things that are relatively easy. You know, don't, don't enable remote desktop protocol, disable that service, keep your systems up, up to date and patched, and educate and train your employees to be able to identify and report phishing attacks. I mean, those are three things that are relatively easy to do that we would like to see more companies focus on. To add to what Todd uh, mentioned, I do think with greater awareness of the problem, employers will invest in employee training, but there's definitely room for improvement, especially in the small and middle market segment. Our 2020 Agent Authority Survey of Business Owners found that only 10% felt that they sufficiently trained their employees. So clearly in some segments of the market, there's still room for improvement. I'm also going to add here that the sophistication of training is also a factor. Having an employee watch a video annually about protecting their systems is much different than continual training with these fake phishing emails throughout the year that helps really keep employees on their toes. As a follow-up to that, do you think employers and their boards are placing the right amount of emphasis on cyber governance and controls? I'm going to give the answer. It depends. Um, I believe certain industries uh, are more in tune to the need to make uh, governance, cyber governance, a board uh, board level topic, as well as even a standing topic for every board meeting. Um, I think that that will you have some industries that have been doing that for a while. You have other industries that is probably less prevalent. I do also think it, you're going to look at it and see it based on the size of the company. Uh, it's likely that kind of smaller, smaller to medium sized uh, companies and their boards may not be as attuned to the cyber risks that they face, and it may not be part of their top agenda just because of either the industry that they have or the priorities that they have around you know growth and market share and being able to capture more of that market so i'm not directly answering your your question because it depends you know every company is different and it also depends on the journey that they've been in you know companies that have gone through a a a cyber incident it's pretty much guaranteed that it's a board level topic and it will remain to be a board level topic uh, ongoing. So it, it varies across the industry. Right. And I would like to add also that 
you know, to, to Todd's point, there really isn't a great line of sight into this answer. Um, but what we do see is that new to market buyers are a tell, as well as um, these purchases can be driven of the insurance product can be driven by the C-suite. There is a survey done by a reinsurance company last year, and the board or senior demand was considered the third largest driver of insurance sales. So I think that means that they're paying attention to the threat. And while we can't tell if it's the right amount or not, I would probably add that there is room for improvement, right? I think that when we find that the losses are going down, it means that the right amount of board oversight has probably made its way throughout the industry. But it varies by sector right now. According to several market indices, cyber market trends were a key concern with prices for cyber increasing by, by 25%, over 20% in many cases, compared to the first quarter. Is there a concern that coverage will become inaccessible for clients? Or do you think capacity will pull back to avoid losses, making comprehensive coverage unavailable? Yes, cyber insurance is getting more expensive. And yes, the coverage and limit uh, is being pulled back. This is a new line of business, a relatively new line of business, and it's very dynamic. The market is adjusting its premium and its coverage based on the changing exposure. It really it cannot write this business at a loss. That's really not good for anyone. This, what we're going through now, happens in other lines of business too. I mean, property is a great example. Property insurers also adjust their rates in response to increased losses or catastrophic events, or they'll pull out of certain territories to make sure that they remain viable. The cyber insurance market is not any different. If rates are going up in such a competitive market, I think this is a tell to buyers that the exposure has gone up in frequency and or severity. And in the end, really, um, the cost to recover from a cyber attack is much more expensive than the cost to invest in, in better cybersecurity or to buy cyber insurance. All right, let's talk about the role of the broker when it comes to helping clients mitigate ransomware risk. What are some specific challenges in cybersecurity that you hear brokers talk about having? Do they have any blind spots? The insurance industry, um, I think has done a very good job of providing educational resources for brokers so that they can help their clients with their insurance purchasing decisions. Some larger brokers have even developed centers of competency around cyber. Carriers also provide services and resources with their policies to help clients build their resilience. Um, the take-up rate on those risk management services has historically been very low, but I think that we're seeing an uptick in clients seeing value in those risk management services. So having that information on hand can help brokers to sell the best policy for its clients and match them between not only the coverage, but also what uh, risk management services are provided. Back in May, Colonial Pipeline brought ransomware to the masses. Within a matter of days, a single compromised password enabled a Russian-linked cybercrime group called DarkSide to halt the pipeline's operations, resulting in emergency declarations for 17 states and Washington, D.C., the event was a prime example of the real physical world impacts ransomware attacks can have. The U.S. General Accountability Office is currently working on a report examining potential losses from attacks on critical infrastructure, due in large part to the potential for aggregated losses to be unsustainable for a carrier. Catherine, using Colonial Pipeline as an example, what are your thoughts on systemic attacks? 
systemic attacks can come from a, a, a large number of sources and specifically to what you're mentioning with uh, infrastructure losses. Infrastructure losses tend to have huge economic impact in the real world, but not all of that economic impact uh, of those losses are insurable, um, often due to infrastructure exclusions on insurance policy. Also, under a normal cyber insurance policy, um, there generally physical damage, property damage, or bodily injury, that is damages in the real world are not covered. But with that said, a large supply chain hack or service provider hack is, is uh, likely to be insured by a cyber insurance policy, but this is not new news to the cyber market. Awareness around aggregation or systemic or catastrophic events really has always been there. We just haven't seen much in the way of an event with a significant insured loss. But to bring up the property market again, models also exist in the cyber market to manage such scenarios for insurance company portfolios. Um, admittedly, diversification is more challenging in cyber than other lines of business, but there are still ways to monitor how much exposure each portfolio has to some of these single points of failure. I think some of these recent attacks are maybe made a little scarier because now that they have been proven successful, they they now provide a roadmap, if you will, to the criminals. So I think that we can probably expect uh, more attempts in the future. Todd, do you have anything to add? Yeah, the Colonial Pipeline was interesting um, because the 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 named threat actor, you know, where it's attributed back to Darkside, came out with a press release that said it wasn't their intent to attack critical infrastructure. They weren't aware of of who they had attacked, and so that that's just very interesting. Where you you start seeing where some of these uh, ransomware as a service operators are trying to steer themselves away from critical infrastructure. So I think that will be one of the things that's interesting when we talk about kind of these systemic attacks and what it means to critical infrastructure is if we will truly see the threat actors steering away from those industries, uh, but only time will tell if that's the case. And, you know, we, we all saw the impact of Colonial. We've seen it through some of our food distribution. We're seeing it in the agricultural space as well. Um, so it's it's definitely these what appears probably even on the side of the the ransomware operator as being just a company uh, may not have full visibility into the the systemic impact that it has um, on elements of critical infrastructure. So I, I do think it'll be interesting to see how this this plays out over time. Speaking of playing out over time, this is a, a big question to end on, but I think it's an important one. How does this all play out a few years down the road? Is there a path to improve cybersecurity overall? Is this just something that we live with? What are your thoughts on that? All right, well, I think first there is so much more attention being paid to the problem today. I think a combination of the increased loss activity, media attention after a colonial pipeline, which for some, I guess, is can, can be considered a blessing or a curse, and the recognition that the public and the private sector need to tackle this together will bring much needed and attention to the to the problem, right? Uh, much needed attention and resources, excuse me, to the problem. So there's also a much more active federal government that is committed to working with the private sector to improve resilience against cyber attacks. 
We can start with the executive order on improving the nation's cybersecurity that came out May of this year. We can look at the Homeland Security and CISA currently in a number of cybersecurity sprints that started in April this year, and it's gonna run through February of next year, um, as well as Southern, several other initiatives, such as the Department of Treasury um, singling out some of the virtual currency exchanges. So uh, in my opinion, I think we will be living with this threat. I'm not sure that it will always look the same, but we, I expect that we will adapt and manage because the exposure is not going away anytime soon. Uh, we are increasingly reliant on our computer systems and networks. And I think that means that we will recognize their importance and defend them accordingly. Todd, do you have any final thoughts? I do, and I I'd absolutely echo everything that Catherine just said. I, I do think if we take a look at the evolution of the threat actor, um, we are now dealing with a very organized, well-ran criminal criminal organizations. And you know, one of the the theories that I have in this is that they've been able to be very successful in data extortion and ransomware and being able to achieve payment. If that gets disrupted in any way, one of the things that we do see them doing, we actually see it in the industry, is really starting to not only attack systems and data, but attack business processes. And as they have learned how to run and operate as a business, they're also learning how other businesses run and operate. And you know, their end goal for, for any mo financially motivated threat actor is to be able to monetize their activities. So I do believe that you're going to continue to see a significant increase in activities like business email compromise. They're injecting themselves into the business processes to get money, to get money redirected to their accounts. I do see them attacking other business processes so that they can commit fraud and or money theft uh, in a digital form. So they will, as, as we evolve as a as enterprises, as a, as a society, to be able to defend against attacks like ransomware, they will also further evolve because they're motivated. They're, they're financially motivated. So I, I think we have to continue to evolve and understand what the motivators are and what the incentives are of the threat actors so that we can try to prepare for as we go forward. That was Nationwide's Catherine Rudo, Vice President of the Cyber Insurance, and Todd Lukens, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer. Be sure to visit leadersedge.com for our entire slate of podcasts, which can also now be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.